Yeah, this is the first time that we've had uh, one of these kind of kind of days here at the office. Like the temperatures have kind of gotten cool now. We got some wind. It's kind of kind of rainy outside. I think we need to do an insul insulation job on the office. Yeah, I've been in here all day. I'm freezing to death. All right. Yeah, and I, we got. I think it's leaking too. All right. Thanks. See ya. You know, it's always something, eh? You know what that's like. It's always something around the house, around the office or whatever. But uh, we actually have a little bit of respite from the rain. Got the odd raindrop going on here. Welcome to, by the way, episode 18 of the 411. I'm your host, Lee Sterry. We are fueled by Gales Gas Bars Limited. We are powered by WeStream Niagara. And we are hosted by Fiddler's Poor House that we are headed to right now. It's a little bit cozier in there than it is out here on the street, by the way. Also partnering with Niagara 411, Nick and his many thousands of collaborators and contributors. We appreciate uh, that partnership as well. So we're going to get underway here. Uh, there's a real social media thing going on right now, a bit of a breakdown, kind of extensive, maybe around the world. I don't really know, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Come on in. Okay, here we are. Whew. This is uh, this is actually really nice and cozy in here. The lights tend to brighten it up a little bit and uh, make it feel a little bit warmer. <laughs> but uh, Fiddler's Poor House, by the way, open for your enjoyment right now. Opens every uh, every day at three. Kevin is going to get me wired up here so that I can hear you when you check in. Let me get the mask off first, Kev. Okay. I just won't breathe in your general direction. Okay. We're good? Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so the um, Fiddler's Poorhouse is open from uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we close now, though, at uh, it's 11 o'clock right now, Kev. I think that's what we do. Uh, is it, it's all over Ontario, right, that we close restaurants and bars 11 o'clock? Uh, 11 o'clock last call, but you have to be out by midnight. By midnight, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if you saw that sign on the way in, open till 2 a.m., that's uh, obviously changed over the last uh, couple of weeks. Well, as I was saying, welcome to episode 18. And as I was also saying, we'll get right to this right now. I heard this when I was actually driving in to Fiddler's today to, to prepare to do this show. Twitter currently experiencing a massive outage, unknown reason at this point and no estimated time of arrival. In other words, no estimated time as to when it's going to be restored. And we haven't seen really anything else, Kevin, have we, to indicate how it started or what's the, no, what's the basis of it? Nothing. No update on that. And unfortunately, I can't check Twitter to see the update. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we can't. And we would have seen notifications from other sources. And uh, Nick, of course, put this up right away and uh, just a half an hour ago. And I heard about it, I guess I was, uh, I guess I was coming in, it was about 20 to six or something like that this evening. And it had just gone down or out or whatever at that point. So that's it. And it's ironic actually, isn't it? That uh, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, the mad Twitter-er is uh, doing a town hall open meeting dueling debate thing that's a weird story and I, I know we're in niagara but that is a very strange thing happening yeah, wait, tonight what's he doing lee hey what's he doing 
You're not. It, no, it, I had no idea. What's okay. he doing? Uh, there are two town hall meeting. They call it's not a debate, so I won't call it a debate. There are two town hall meeting shows going on tonight. On ABC, it's Joe Biden, uh, the former vice president of the United States and the Democratic candidate for president of the United States in the upcoming election. So he's on ABC, and Donald Trump is on NBC doing his own town hall broadcast. And they're on at exactly the same time, for exactly the same length of time, just on dueling networks. So they're calling it dueling town halls. And frankly, NBC is taking a lot of heat over this because the Biden one was set up uh, quite some time. And this one just came out of the woodwork over the last couple of days. And uh, stars of NBC TV shows and political pundits, I love that word pundit, whatever that means, uh, are calling NBC out on it and just saying no, this is a very bad form. So not too many people see anything much coming out of it because they're not actually debating each other and you've got to pick one or the other. Now, in these days of split screen technology, maybe you can find yourself a way to watch one on your computer, watch one on the uh, on the TV, but you really care that much. I don't know in a situation like that whether it's going to make a hill of beans worth of difference or not, no matter who it is. But it's kind of a strange thing, uh, a precedent-setting thing, and uh, I don't really know that it means much at all. But that's what's happening tonight, anyway. All right, uh, Lee. Yes. Why don't I share this with you via via Niagara four one one? Just getting this. And Nick just posted it, I guess, a couple of minutes ago. Sorry, let me refresh. It looks like a, maybe a vehicle on fire at the Walmart on Oakwood. So I think we're going Niagara Falls. Okay. Uh, just a second. I'll get this video up here. But uh, somebody shared it to Niagara 411, and it's uh, somewhat dramatic, I could say. I'd say we... Let's, uh... It's not on my screen. Have you got it up on the screen? Yeah, just a second. I'll pull it up here for you. At least All you, right. can, you can see it here. Okay. There we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, engine fire by the looks of it. Yeah, no audio on this guy. No. Oh, yeah, there you go. A little bit of audio. And you told us this is where again? It's on the uh, Walmart on Oakwood. So I think we're looking at Niagara Falls, right? That's oh, yeah, definitely right. a Walmart right there. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's just certainly disturbing for the owner of that vehicle. Chances are it's not going to harm anything else because it just uh, it does look like wow, there were some flames in there. I was going to say something, now I'm going to retract it. I didn't think it looked that serious, but it does actually kind of look uh, yeah, that's something. serious enough. It is something. And uh, just getting this in from Nick as well, that Twitter is now back online. Oh, so we make a big deal out of it and now, uh, yeah. well, timing is everything, eh? We come on and Twitter is fixed. We have fixed, uh, we have fixed Twitter. Hey, way to go, Lee. <laughs> I know this show's pretty amazing. Didn't know it was that good. Yeah, well, you know, we have, uh, have far-reaching powers uh, here at uh, Fiddler's Poorhouse. Uh, we have fixed, uh, we have made fire and fixed Twitter. Okay, so anyway, well, welcome back. So the president will now be able to uh, tweet uh, vociferously like he usually does. I do want to see... Uh, up on the, the corner of your screen, right up uh, here. That is a gentleman by the name of Eric Alper. He is a publicist and music public relations person by trade. 
If I were to give you his entire resume, the show would be over. He's been around the music business here in Canada and internationally for a long, long time. And uh, we're going to have an interesting chat with uh, Eric about a myriad number of things, including some uh, local artists that are uh, doing well right now, have done in the past, will be here perhaps. So anyway, uh, Eric's coming up at about 7.20 today. All right? So, uh, again, I do want to thank our sponsors. You will also see along the uh, left side of your screen, Gales Gas Bars Limited. They uh, sponsor every program here that we do in the 411, the past 18. They're responsible for fueling. WeStream is Kevin Jack's company. They do this live streaming technology better than anyone, uh, and perhaps are the only ones that do it this way in Niagara, for sure. And uh, so that's Kevin behind the controls and uh, always uh, does his best to make us look good and that's not an easy task believe me look what I'm working with people <laughs> uh, Lee just to let you know like this past weekend we streamed a wedding at the Pillar and Post in Niagara on the Lake that right. was fantastic we're going to be working with the uh, Greater Niagara Chamber of Commerce on the Niagara Economic Summit to bring it virtual we're going to be working with a couple of local high schools in Niagara to pull mm -hmm. off their virtual graduation ceremony so Anything virtual, anything online, if you're looking to pivot and go in that direction, let us know at WeStream. We can help. All right. Well done. And uh, they're going to be even busier going forward because it doesn't look like this COVID-19 thing is going to wrap itself up into a nice, neat package with a bow on top anytime soon. We are better than some areas in Ontario. New cases on October 15th. That is today in Niagara. These are Niagara numbers. Seven new cases reported today. Growth rate is about a half a percentage point. New cases yesterday were 12. So at least it would appear that we are headed in the right direction. There is still so much debate about uh, prevention while we wait for a cure. And uh, really the, the misnomer about COVID or any virus for that matter is the fact that there is not a cure. There might be something to prevent you from suffering the symptoms, but once the virus is out there, you can't just eliminate the virus. It doesn't matter whether it's a flu virus or a, a, an HIV or a COVID or anything. Those, those, those viruses are there for life. All we can do is hope to control the symptoms so that we don't get ill from them hanging around our systems. I know it's kind of a different concept to wrap your head around, but it's absolutely true. Seven-day rolling average um, in Niagara, percent of new cases that have no known exposure. And that actually is the only number that alarms me a little bit, because with all of the contact tracing that they talk about these days, I'm, I'm a little disturbed that we can't trace 33.8% of where those cases came from. And here's, uh, here's a big important number as well. It's not a big number, it's an important number. Average number of cases hospitalized per day in the past seven days is like 0.1%. So our hospital stays uh, are, are still super, super low. And that is always a good thing. So other places in Ontario are not so lucky. It's being really, really tough on businesses in Toronto and Peel and Ottawa, now Hamilton and is, uh, is reporting some higher cases. Uh, Halton region is another region they were talking about today, might be the next to have to return to some sort of uh, more stringent restrictions. So, and the, the, the only thing that uh, is sort of a red flag for us here in Niagara is if people from 
Toronto and Peel uh, and all through that area in Hamilton, etc., can't go out and do something social in their own communities, guess where everybody's going to go? Right here. Uh, and you can't cross the border. So when you see all that increased traffic on the Queen Elizabeth Highway, uh, Fort Erie bound or Niagara bound, uh, that that that's what we're doing. We yeah, are we are we are importing more potential. I don't want to put too much of a fine point on it and scare people because uh, I don't have that kind of power. But still, they are going to be in this area, and I, I say they like they're aliens. It, it's not that way. They're just looking for <laughs> so, so, Torontonians. Some, yes, they're coming. Uh, <laughs> Torontonians are coming. Uh, but but you know what I mean. So. Uh, we have to keep a, a pretty stringent check on our behavior, I think, to make sure that we're doing the right things for us and, uh, and, and, and wait till we see how this thing unfolds, which of course we don't know how it's going to unfold. Uh, currently at 713, while we're talking about uh, COVID and masks, etc., how are your children, and I'm speaking now mainly of high school students, adjusting to or are they adjusting to this so-called new normal are they being told by the schools or told by you the parents to wear masks when they go out of the school when they're hanging out with their friends uh what's it like what's it like out there and the reason i'm asking this is i see i see things every day that disturb me greatly they talk about all of the adults trying to all, all of the so-called grown-ups trying to make sure that we do the right things. Well, I'm sorry, I don't see any, in the, the areas that I've been in, I don't see any high school students abiding by safe practices with regard to COVID. Another example today, I was over in the Glen Ridge area once again, uh, and there's a small plaza there that's got a pizza place. You get pizza by the slice. A lot of the students will go in there and uh, buy their lunch and they hang out and have a pop and a slice of pizza. And that's okay, that's cool. But there were about 15 or 20 of them uh, all gathered together and like shoulder to shoulder, nose to nose, having a conversation, laughing and uh, joking around like students do every day, all day and have for years. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that except there is something wrong with it now. There's something distinctly wrong with it now, uh, but they didn't seem to uh, give a flying hoot uh, about uh, where they were or uh, who they were with or how they were interacting at all. And then uh, walking down the sidewalk, I saw some uh, lovely children, uh, teenagers once again in their, their Dennis Morris uh, uniforms. They were headed, looked like back to school, which is a good thing to go back to school, stay in school, but again, no social distancing, no, uh, no concept at all of self-protection or protection of the people that they were with. And I just wonder, we are doing all of these things going into our, uh, trying to keep distancing in restaurants and going into the stores with masks on and doing uh, all the things that we're supposed to do, at least most people are, uh, and yet we have perhaps hundreds, perhaps thousands of young adults and teenagers walking around paying absolutely no attention at all. I, I, frankly, uh, I say, well, why are we doing this if they're doing that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I got to say, Lee, that was a hell of a conversation we had last week on the program with Sandor Shandor, the anti-masker. Yeah. 
great comments as well on Niagara 411 and the, the chatter kept going for days. So thanks for engaging in all that. And if you want to pick up on the conversation, by all means, remember, this is open line. So you can you can hop on the show whenever you want. The link is right there in the show description. Yep. It's 905-411-0411 on Zoom. If you've got an opinion, if you want to comment on the anti-mask move, movement or mass in general or teenagers in high school, just click on that link and, and hop in the Zoom room and we'll get you on here with Lee. I even talked with a, a gentleman today who is uh, in um, a healthcare field. I won't identify it. I won't identify him because I don't want to uh, out anybody on anything on this program. It's not what we're about. But uh, his uh, his opinion was also that we're we're kind of trying to push a string uphill with our nose on this thing, and um, it's almost like the antibody sort of fight where it is well if we're all hiding from it we're going to come out sooner or later and we're going to get it sooner or later and so why not why not to just get it out there i realize that's a really uh non uh popular non-scientific statement but there are people that are and i'm not saying that's my opinion it's just i run into people that are so uh, so fed up and so tired and fatigued by this that they're they're starting to they're starting to think that way in some cases and um, it's kind of it's kind of scary because it's scary um, you know what I think the scariest point is right now Lee, is I haven't heard any optimistic reports at the beginning of this everybody was all about vaccine vaccine at the end of 2020 no yeah. we're working on it now we've got an experimental drug and we're, we're testing it in the labs and it seems to be working I haven't heard any progress on that front. It no. seems in months, and it doesn't doesn't seem as though there's an end in sight right now. Where three, four, five months ago, it seemed that everybody was was having that conversation that that there is an end in sight. And right now, yeah, I, I don't see it. Like, is is this 2021 too? Like, that's what people are saying. I think Elon Musk is the only one that says he actually has a vaccine. Nobody's believing him though, at this point. But we only get it if we buy a new Tesla truck. Is that it? Maybe so. Yeah, it comes with a dispenser in the glove compartment. I, I, I don't know. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, it's it's very it's very concerning. And uh, oh yeah, the other school I saw today was uh, was in the north end. It was uh, Eden, Lakeport. Uh, it used to be Lakeport High School, but it's uh, it's called Eden now at uh, Lakeport and uh, Lake Street in uh, in St. Catharines. Everybody, all, all the all the, the teens, the classmates uh, running around uh, doing their lunch thing and hanging out and going back to school. They're all together, no masks, no nothing. All right, uh, and while we're talking about this, uh, the Niagara Regional Police Service has been made aware that a uniform member assigned to the headquarters in Niagara Falls has tested positive for COVID-19. This just came out a few hours ago. The service is now working with public health to ensure that proper contact uh, tracing and procedures, et cetera, are going to be followed. And um, there was the other, there was the other story about schools that I wanted to uh, wanted to bring up here. Yeah, uh, this this uh, this posting came out. I think it was about Saturday, last Saturday. But it's it's just an indication. Uh, of some of the things that are happening. An individual at Holy Cross Catholic Secondary School St. Catharines tested positive. Um, Niagara Region Public Health Department investigating what the board said. Uh, it's the second positive case for Holy Cross. 
So far, now here's, here's where I wanted to get. So far, incidents have been reported at more than a dozen Niagara schools since schools reopened in early September. From the District School Board of Niagara, they are Eden Secondary, Sir Winston Churchill Secondary, Ferndale Public in St. Catharines, Park Public School in Grimsby, Valleyway School in Niagara Falls, and Eastdale Secondary School in Welland. From the Catholic Board, Holy Cross, St. Alfred, Canadian Martyrs Elementary Schools in St. Catharines, uh, St. Michael Catholic School, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and St. Vincent de Paul Elementary Schools in Niagara Falls, Blessed Trinity Secondary Schools in Grimsby have reported cases, and uh, some of the French Immersion and Language Schools also uh, have figured into that. So what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Open-ended question. I don't have the answer. So uh, I do believe, uh, Kevin, we are on the verge of bringing Eric Alper uh, onto the program. I want to tell you just a little bit about Eric. I've known Eric for a long, long time, uh, and uh, music has been uh, music has been his life. I've uh, interviewed him a few times on uh, uh, public radio, uh, for uh, private radio, I should say, uh, and it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk. But Eric Al uh, Eric Alper is a six-time nominee for Publicist of the Year during Canadian Music Week. He's a six-time Juno Award winner overseeing PR campaigns, and I've also been truly honored to work with some of the biggest and most important artists of our time. And then uh, his website goes on to list the art uh, artists, and I say it would take the rest of this entire program for me to for me to do that. Um, and I saw uh, I got an email from uh, I, I'm, I know it wasn't just sent to me. It was a it was a mass email of I'm on one of the plebes that's on the list uh, of um, some some things that are going on. Uh, in the in the next little while, and I just thought I haven't talked to Eric in a while, so let's do that. Eric Alper, welcome to the program. Sorry for uh, sorry so long before I let you speak. <laughs> well, you know what that that intro of like you know me for a long time, it makes it feel like we're both ninety. Well, just about. <laughs> no, no, you're you're much younger than me. Well, in the in the media business, ten minutes can be a long time. <laughs> but well, right now I, I think it's like dog years. You know, being a journalist in 2020, it's almost like every month adds another two years to your age. Yeah. Now, tell us. Good to see you, by the way. Good to hear from you. I yeah. missed you on the radio. Th thank you this very much. Very this is great. This little setup that you've got. Thanks. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, the the uh, email that you sent out this week was about uh, a fellow that I haven't heard of in a long time. Tom has got a, a virtual Christmas thing going on, right? Yeah, so Tom Jackson, this is the yeah. 33rd year that he's done something called the Huron Carol. And it's a um, it's usually a traveling tour that happens from coast to coast in Canada, raising money and support for local food banks in whatever city they happen to be in. Yeah. But because of COVID, he's now going online. So people should go to... Uh, Tom Jackson's website, TomJackson.com, for how it's going to go online that we're going to be announcing very, very shortly, usually around the end of November. And it's it's great that he's still doing that because now there's a guy that has been around for a long time, one of Canada's treasures, I think, Tom Jackson. A, a, a yeah, Tom Jackson, did, yeah, Tom's 145 years old. <laughs> he should be with the number of things that he's done. <laughs> He makes he makes us he makes us feel like we're lazy. I know. You know he's he's one of my all-time favorite people. I love the death. So which is which is great. Yeah. Eric, how is this? Uh, 
pandemic thing changed how you do your business? Because a lot of a lot of your business, uh, I know you've been a public relations and promoter and agent. You just uh, you have your fingers in a lot of musical pies here in Canada and around the world. But how has this changed how you do your business? Yeah, you know, the music industry was one of the first things to get shut down for COVID, and we're going to be one of the last things to open. And it's not just the artists that are being affected by this. It's all of the auxiliary benefits and businesses and people that work within the music industry, your producers, engineers, the restaurants, the hotels, the beer, the alcohol, the parking, so many literally hundreds of people who put on every single show that goes on around the world when a tour happens um, and they're without real real money coming in to be honest with you because music streaming services certainly don't really pay a lot when it comes to comparing them with the CD back in the day um, you know it's about a million streams on Spotify is a payout of $4,000. Do you know how much money and promotion it costs to even bring an artist to the level where they're streaming a million streams? And it's a lot. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's devastated this industry, much like I think the, the movie industry and the TV industry. Um, yeah. But like, you know, unlike those industries where once they're able to get back to work and start to film, they're kind of done musicians continue to go on and over and over and rely on the touring aspect for their money so it hit them pretty hard what uh is is going on with with you and your life right now i mean the, the as i say in the intro the list of people that you have worked with in some way shape or form is very extensive who's your uh who are your shining lights right now what are you working on yeah, you know, when, when we all got shut down, I went outside on the patio. I had a scream for about three <laughs> seconds. And then I went back inside and emailed all of the artists that I was working with and said, look, I'm going to continue. So if you want to keep going, I'll be here for you. And the artists all ramped up their, their releases. They're making more videos for every single. So instead of making the official video for their song mm -hmm. that you see on YouTube, they're making a lyric video, a live video, acoustic video, a real video, and uh, uh, you know, a slideshow with photos that they're being creative. So they're kind of extending the life of their song, making yeah. more visual to go attached to it. So I think more and more, I think are oh. doing that. But I'm working now with somebody named Sammy Jackson, who's actually from your area in St. Catharines, and she's amazing. She's a soul R&B performer working Tom Jackson, still working uh, Andy Kim and uh, uh, and others as well. So um, nobody really stopped working because I think the one thing that I'm constantly reminded of is that artists just don't do this. It's who they are as yeah. people. It's, it's what they it's what they were really put on this earth to do is perform. And, you know, even though that they may not be able to perform for you and I or the people out there listening in person, they're still out there doing live streams, concerts online from their living room. So they're still trying to keep as active as possible. How do they manage to fund these various videos and, uh, and initiatives that, that they're doing? Eric, do they still have yeah. people that underwrite them? or how, how? They can't all be doing a million streams every day. Yeah, no. I mean, some of it is is um, some of it is our tax dollars hard at work that put in money for Factor, which is the government agency that 
that helps up and coming and established artists. They give out grants and loans. So there's that. Every province has their own art sector mm -hmm. where they give out arts and grants and loans as well. But a lot of the times, though, it's it's purely out of their own pocket. If they're lucky enough to um, be a, either an essential worker or that they work in a restaurant as a bartender or that they have a job that kind of suits their lifestyle of, be, of being an artist, meaning they're not really available to work on the weekends pre-COVID, um, they're really saving their money. A lot of them are just being really creative and crafty and figuring out how to actually make videos in their own home. I have one artist that had made seven different videos for one song because one of them happens to go to Sheridan College um, and in the animation department. So for giggles, he's just trying out new things while he's trying to stay creative in his own mind and making videos for songs. So I think a lot of people are digging a lot, uh, real deep in trying to stay creative. And that's a good point because one of people can complain about and uh, uh, and criticize technology from one side, but that's where technology's advances have really been able to come into play because we can do things now that don't cost uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce. You can do something in your basement as long as you know what you're doing and, and turn out something pretty good. I mean, look at look at the number of uh, homegrown stars on Twitter over the years and social media. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or yeah, or anybody on TikTok that they're not even creating anything of, of, of real things of what we kind of grew up on. They're lip syncing and making a dance that's lasting 15 seconds and <laughs> absolutely no knock towards them. But they didn't create that song in the first place. Mm -hmm. So look, we all get the stars and the celebrities that we deserve. But it's interesting, though, because, you know, back in the day of when much music started in the 80s and 90s, that was tough. You had to make videos to compete with Michael Jackson and Madonna for yeah. airtime. You were spending $50,000, $100,000 of the record label's money to make those videos. And only a handful of people at Much Music decided if it was worthy enough to get on air. So only a handful of videos ended up being successful every single month. Now, we're all influencers. We all have yeah. the power to like something or share something. And, you know, not everybody is looking for a video that gets 10 million views. A lot of people are happy with a thousand. A lot of people are happy with a hundred people watching because I mean that a hundred people took time out of their busy day to watch them. So certainly there's never been a better time to kind of be an artist because you can actually create things and get it out there to the world, but there's never been a, a worse time because your competition isn't another artist from St. Catharines or Niagara. Your competition is Bruce Springsteen and the Beatles because we're all on Spotify at the same time yeah. as you are. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a such a different world. And I, I mean, back in the caveman days when I was in radio, <laughs> it was uh, you know all the uh, all the R and D guys from all of the record labels would make a stop once a, once a month in all the radio stations and and uh, pitched yeah. the latest uh, single, and you had Bruce Coburn up against Shania Twain, who was up, you know, it was like, we had all kinds of uh, kinds of things, but in those days, it was like, it was analog stuff. You had this piece of thing in your hand that they wanted you to put right. on the air. Uh, and and now, it's just so, it's, it's, it's like a, a star has exploded. There's just so many moving parts. Yeah, and, and there's so much music too, you know, yeah. right now, before COVID, Spotify was uploading 20,000 songs a day and 40,000 songs for New Music Friday. Now they're uploading 50,000 songs a day. 
and 120,000 songs on Friday for New Music Friday. A lot of it is because anybody can create a song in the bedroom of their house and upload it for a couple of dollars onto all of the music streaming services. So the competition is that much more fierce. But, you know, radio is still adding the same, you know, number. They're still adding two or three songs a week. But now there's hundreds of thousands of songs to choose from. But look, put it this way. You and I wouldn't even have an opportunity to talk like this if we managed not to be on a commercial radio station even five years ago. Mm -hmm. So your competition, you know, is everybody else that's out there, which is great because it makes somebody like you better and you've already got the brand and the audience. But the fact that you and I can sit here and talk and reach people outside of the normal frequency of commercial radio we would have been blown away. We probably would have thought there's no way that that's happening in our lifetime. It's, it's true. It's absolutely true. Now, what advice do you give the artists that you work with? I mean, I, I'm, because it's, uh, it's simple, well, not simple, but it's possible for artists to do their own work and do their own videos and promote yeah. themselves, et cetera, if they're savvy with social media. But uh, you play a role with the people that, that you deal with. and. Frankly, people might say, well, do I need an Eric Alper? Do I, do I need a PR guy? Can I do this myself with my circle of friends in the back in the corner in the garage? You know, yeah. uh, so what, yeah. what, what added value do you bring? What do you take? Because you do bring something. You're, you're amazingly successful, the artist, and you've got a huge social media following as well. Congratulations on that. Yeah, um, so what, what do you tell people that want to try to cut through those millions and millions of songs that are out there? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly there's no there's no loss in trying to do it yourself in writing your own bio, writing your own press release. Google is amazing in terms of teaching people how to write a press release, what the media are looking for and start local. Start with, the, you know, the newspaper in your own city, the radio stations in your own city, the blogs in your own city. Back when I started back in the mid 1990s, we had to buy a book and a guide full of everybody's name on it and if somebody left well you wouldn't know about it until you either called them or that they told you so you know the internet is a wonderful resource to finding out where people are the problem is is that most of people that work in the media don't want to hear from 10,000 bands they want to hear from 8 to 15 to 20 people that they know that they trust and sometimes when you're hiring me you're kind of giving off the impression that you care about your career. You're looking to build your team with a publicist, hopefully finding a manager, hopefully finding a booking agent and a record label. So it kind of elevates you goose stepping over the people who are in fact doing it yourself. But at the end of the day, it's all about the song. There's nothing that I can do if the music is bad Mm -hmm. or if maybe this is your very first song that you wrote and you may think it's awesome, But quite frankly, when you put it in competition with everything else, you just might not be ready for it. And I'm happy to tell people, I like this. I know where you're going. I'm not ready for you yet. But in four months, write a song a day. Because maybe the first 10 aren't going to be very good. But the 11th one is going to be. Look, the Beatles wrote 120 songs before they wrote their first great one. I don't expect somebody else to have a better batting average than that. that that's that's good, okay, you yeah. know? Sometimes it's just throwing it out there just to see what hits. Tell us about uh, your experience with Niagara Artists. Uh, tell us the name of this uh, young lady again that you mentioned uh, a little while ago. I didn't quite, uh, it didn't stick with me. 
yeah, her name is Sammy Jackson. Sammy and, Jackson. Uh, okay. Sammy's been, yeah, Sammy's been around for a couple of years, and she was just actually in the St. Catherine Standard a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she plays the, the old old school R and B uh, Motown stuff. I've I've actually worked with quite a, a lot of artists from from St. Catharines and Hamilton Niagara Falls. I've I've worked with Honeymoon Suite for the wow. last 10, 15 years, um, among other bands. And so, you know, there's something about um, there's something about that area that, that seems to have its own scene, certainly with enough radio stations and clubs in the area. Um, and the highway uh, makes it a lot easier for people to travel to Toronto. So, yeah, I'm always happy to work artists from that area. Eric, um, the Canadian music industry in, in general, we've all seen a lot of changes and evolutions in it. And of course, uh, when I was a young broadcaster, uh, the Canadian content regulations came out from the CRTC demanding at that time it was 30% uh, of the music had to be Canadian content. Uh, and that whole concept has uh, morphed into where we are today. Uh, some radio stations are more, some are less. Some people still debate the necessity of it. I don't think there's any doubt about the fact that it has helped the Canadian product uh, evolve over time uh, and, and get better and better. And I think we've, we produce world-class music now on a lot of levels all across the country. Where do you see our industry here in Canada going when we have that, uh, that behemoth, of course, that is the United States and uh, the UK and places like that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're we've, been punching above our weight i think since the 80s to yeah. be honest with you but you know it seems like when i was growing up and there was Corey hart and brian adam um so many artists that were selling hundreds of thousands of copies in this country artists like the spoons and platinum blonde and honeymoon suite and lover boy that were selling around the world too and then in the 90s things got real serious you had shania twain celine dion alanis morissette um, artists that were selling not just hundreds of thousands of copies around the world, yeah. now you're talking 10, 15, 20 million copies yeah. Chantel of their album. Uh, just, just one of them, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin, for sure, absolutely. So, you know, that's when it started to come into its own of like, maybe we don't really need so much of the, the, um, the CanCon system, and, and that was a little wonky for a while, but I'm glad that they still stayed it. Mm -hmm. um, the problem now is that you have artists that are Canadian, and very much deserve still to be Canadian. Um, Justin Bieber, The Weeknd, Alicia Cara, um, uh, Jesse Reyes, Sean Mendez, artists that are at the top, and of course Drake, at the top of the game for any country anywhere in the world but they're mostly recording in the US. They're still Canadian citizens, but they're producing their music in the US, they're working with songwriters in the US, and they're just basically Canadian by birth. And they're not, they're, they haven't really developed a whole lot of their career here in Canada. They got right. signed all pretty much out of the US. So I think that the, the Canadian content, as long as it still continues to, to breed local talent and to bring them up rather than letting somebody like Drake and Justin Bieber get another 10 or 15 spins on the radio when they really don't need it. Mm. I mean, it's nice for them to have it. And look, if I'm Justin Bieber's team, I'm probably going, well, who are you to say that? We'll, we'll take any spin. But, you know, CanCon was, was invented to help out the up and coming artists to compete against those big guns in the U.S. It wasn't really designed so that the bigger artists in Canada can even be, a, you know, 
more than the top of the of the of the food chain. Although that's really nice when that happens to you. But I think that we still need to concentrate on those artists who four or five years, six years down the road are going to be the next Justin Bieber, the next Drake, the next Sean Mendez. Uh, Eric, Kevin Jack is our executive producer and uh, runs all the technology behind this, uh, the 411, and he's uh, he's on the screen now. He just wanted to pop in here and uh, be part of this well, thing, Well, you Kevin? couldn't have made all the correct decisions now, could you? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Eric, Kevin, just to... I love you. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Kevin, just to... I love you. It's so good to see you. Yeah, so cool. You. So cool to have you on the program, man. Um, listen, I want to get your take on the future of um, the music industry. For so long, musicians have kind of accepted the fact that, okay, I'm going to make my money touring. I'm not necessarily going to make my money selling music or getting radio play, but that's going to fuel my tour. Now tours aren't happening. Can you talk about what you see as the future for financial viability of artists, both big and small? I want to talk about the big international touring people and then also the folks that are used to playing bars and restaurants around town? Yeah, um, I, I look, I'm an optimist by nature. Uh, I will always try to look on the bright side of things. I cannot simply look on the bright side of what's going to be happening. Um, there are a number of studies that have come out that said that over 70% of live music venues um, won't reopen if they don't reopen on a regular basis from 2021. They just can't afford it. And especially if cities go back to stage two, like there are in Toronto, venues cannot have 10 people inside a place that normally holds 200 300 people they need the food they need the beer they need the alcohol they need the stuff and they have to pay taxes still on yeah. a business that they're running at a 15 percent capacity and it's not don't get me wrong i'm happy that they still get to open unlike some businesses that haven't opened at all but you can't expect them to stay open for the good of music in fact in toronto where i live we've seen all over 20 venues shut down completely permanently in the last four months um the artists there's a number there's a number of studies including one in the uk that said that 85 percent of uk artists that are independent are planning on making a career change if things don't go back to normal by 2021 that's a scary thought those yeah. are the next superstars that are going to be playing the venue so while i don't necessarily shed a tear for elton john specifically i shed a tear for the 300 people working on his staff that relies on Elton John to tour. And I think you're gonna have an absolute mess in 2021, not only of trying to reschedule all of these con uh, all of these canceled shows, but you're gonna have to compete with the sports people that are gonna be booking. And now you have nine months so far worth of canceled shows that people are gonna try to cram into one year. That's a lot of money for fans to pick and choose and spend what they're gonna see their concert on. So instead of maybe seeing one concert a year, now they're gonna have to spend money on the four or five favorite artists. They're only gonna pick one. That means the other artists are gonna be suffering. So it's gonna be a real mess for a long time. And it doesn't even matter who's in there politically in the US or the UK or in Canada. This is just the way it's going to be because there's still a huge amount of people, myself included, I'm not going out to see a show. You know, you asked me before how my life has changed. Mm -hmm. It really, really hasn't. I still don't go outside that much. <laughs> I haven't gone out in a long, long time. I'm, I'm a, you know, your whole life doesn't change during a pandemic. You know, you're an introvert, but quite frankly, you know, there's still a lot of people who are terrified 
to go outside. And they're certainly not going to go to a venue that holds 20, 25,000 people, even with a medicine, even with the pill that you can take, because you have a large older demographic who don't want to risk it. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. Yeah, Eric, everything has changed. Yeah. Eric, do you see uh, any option for something? Let's talk a business model like, well, let's pick UFC, pay-per-view sports. For example, yeah, there's there's a lot of that on on cable TV and the internet, et cetera, et cetera. Do you see a, a potential for that kind of model with concerts, where uh, there are venues in various spots on various continents, where there is a live show going on and people buy into it to watch it or um, gather in front of large screens uh, in places or something like that to make concerts that uh, try to make them uh, a live experience like the big concerts of old but do it virtually do you just see that as a model that might work will people pay subscriptions or fees to go to a concert yeah for sure certainly that there's an uh, there's a number of artists that have done live shows, um, mostly in the pop world. We've seen the group BTS that are from Korea, uh, the pop band sell um, a couple of million dollars worth of, of tickets. Those are in the movie theaters. We haven't seen yet somebody develop a concert that you can put on Netflix or, or a concert that you can put in a special event other than, let's watch it on YouTube. You know, the, the next couple of weeks, um, there's a number of artists that have been banded together to raise money and awareness for both the Republican Party and the Democrat Party in the U.S. So they're doing um, their own stock concert style. But I think it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of months. I think a lot of the artists and especially the production companies who put these things together, we're just waiting to see what the future is going to be because these things are really expensive to put on. It's around two to three million dollars cost to put on a concert, do the editing, the sound, all of the mastering, the mixing. It's, it's, it's a big undertaking and they need to make sure that if they do a pay-per-view event, that there's going to be enough people to do it. Right now, I think a lot of people are just, I think that they just kind of got hit and blindsided like everybody else. And they're not even thinking, well, how can I make money now? I think if this continues, you actually might start to see your idea come into fruition a lot more once bigger artists say, that's it, I'm not going to tour for two years. So if I'm ever going to make money, this might be it. Mm -hmm. um, the other, the other interesting thing is I've heard, and a lot of it's not public yet, the sheer amount of artists that have signed book deals is through the roof as well right. because they're looking to diversify and make money. So they're actually, you know, signing deals for their autobiography in the same way that we saw, you know, Keith Richards and Bob Dylan and Patti Smith release their own book. We might see bands from the 90s start to release their autobiography just as a way to get and garner some income. So that'll yeah. be interesting to see what they do too. Hey, Lee, I'm just going to hop in here. And then, Eric, I know we got to wrap this up in a second, but just to let you know, we got to talk, man, when we're done because not two, three million. We stream, we can pull this off for like two, three thousand and give <laughs> you a pay per view concert. So I'll send you an email. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And certainly there, there's enough local artists that are that are doing this stuff for free because they're just looking for exposure in the long run of it, looking to parlay it into something else, into something else, into something else, just like pre-COVID. So, yeah. Yeah, just so you know, uh, Facebook right now is baiting, uh, beta testing their pay-per-view platform. 
Are they? Yeah. That's going to be massive. Yeah, and, 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 and it took them a while to actually do that because for a long time, when artists were uploading their videos, they weren't getting any royalties on it. They do make money when they're on, when people watch their videos on YouTube, but not on Instagram or Facebook. Facebook just signed a deal a couple of months ago to pay the, the rights holders, so there's going to be income coming in from artists every time that you or I watch their videos now, which is great. That EricAlper.com is uh, the website. Yeah. Uh, so so check it out. Uh, fascinating fella, Eric. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And um, I know we're in a we're sort of a, in a tunnel, and we're not quite sure what it's going to look like when we come out the other <laughs> side. But uh, I hope you're still there when we do. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going anywhere, and I know you are. You're not either, and I know. I know Kevin's a lifer too, so yeah. we have a long ride ahead of us with this one. Really appreciate your insights. Uh, great to speak with you. I hope you come back on the program from time to time. Anytime. Great. Thanks so much for having me, and have a good weekend ahead. Cheers, Eric. Eric Alper, uh, one of the true great media, music, PR, promotion, marketing guys, uh, and ears in uh, in the music business today and for many, many decades. Okay. That's uh, that's very cool. Nice to see. Uh, nice to see him again. Uh, all right. So, how are we doing now? I don't even know. I lost track of time completely. We're running on uh, seven forty-nine. Yeah, we were chatting for a long time, and I know we've got uh, Super Dave Benison. It's about to come on the program. <laughs> I just, just made that up right now. You should go with that. That's very good. Super Dave Benison is going to come on and uh, and see who has longer hair, him or Eric Albert. Okay. Uh, but I know we wanted to get to this story, and this I is did. something that touched. Uh, Nick from Niagara 411, he said he's getting a lot of reaction, so we wanted to shine a light on this, that unfortunately there's been uh, a break and enter out of the scout Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking at uh, a text that uh, Nick sent earlier before we actually address what is on your screen. Uh, he said, I'd be grateful if you guys could bring this up tonight. The community is heartbroken by this. I got a heartwarming note from a fellow that runs the campsites, and they were so grateful. I shared the story, etc. I'm also getting a ton of folks email in that are disgusted by this crime, so it might be a popular topic for tonight and help spread the word. And that's exactly what we're doing. And here's how it uh, here's how it went. Niagara Regional Police investigating a break and enters at the Thorold South uh, Scout Camp. Detectives from District One, Office of the Niagara Regional Police, investigating two, not one, but two break-and-enters that occurred at Camp Wetaskiwin on Scout Camp Road in Thorold. Camp Wetaskiwin is a youth camp operated by Scouts Canada. And you're saying, well, how bad could that be? Well, we're talking about five to $10,000 worth of tools, equipment, sporting goods, camping items used by children who attend this camp. Now, but that's not the, the first part of the story. The camp was broken into on... Uh, what was it? Did it say the twelfth? Well, they went to investigate on the twelfth. On the twelfth. So they think it happened. And my assumption is that somebody went in there on Saturday at around noon, yeah. and somebody went in Monday morning. So sometime between there, the theft occurred. Yeah. So um, the theft occurred over the weekend. October the twelfth is when the police went in to investigate, and they did their due diligence on site, and then left. But then. The next day, or that night after the, after the police presence was gone and the camp was locked up again, there was a second break-in. Uh, at, at this time, as it says, the suspects are unknown. So they got, they got hit twice. Camping equipment, lawn care 
tools um, and, and other sporting goods things, I guess, that uh, they weren't able to take with them on the first break-in. They came back and, uh, and loaded up again. Uh, and that is so, so sad because these, these businesses don't operate with a whole lot of funding behind them. It's a, um, it, it hurts when things like this happen. It really, really does, and it hurts the entire community. Uh, of course, the people that operate it and own the camp and uh, uh, and do the do their bit for their business, but the entire community takes a hit when something like this happens. So, if there is anything that you can offer as far as any information or anything that comes your way and you, you, you hear things floating around in the ether that might give us or the police some idea about uh, how they can get to the bottom of this and where these people are, they might, they might just be able to get, in my optimistic world, some of their, some of their things back. So that's uh, un unfortunate unfortunate to the uh, to the nth degree so we we hope that there is somewhat of a beneficial outcome on that one um, so and th there are, there are a lot of stories we could run down Niagara 411 and spend the rest of the program talking about stories that we see of break and enters stolen vehicles stolen bikes uh, stolen um, Man, what's with that? Lee seems to be a rash. I don't know what's. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't um, want to call it petty theft because it's it's break and enter. It's it's, it's not petty. There's a lot of grand larceny going on. Yeah, out breaking there. into cars, cars being stolen, ATVs being stolen, trailers being stolen. A friend of mine um, lives over on uh, on Dorchester Street in St. Catharines, not Dorchester Road, Niagara Falls, Dorchester in uh, St. Catharines, and their entire street was uh, was seemingly under under attack by somebody or somebodies over the past week, uh, their cars, basically. And uh, this fellow had a bunch of things taken out of his car, and the car was locked. It wasn't open. No damage done to the car, thank goodness, but I mean, you got, you got golf clubs and all kinds of things that uh, are valuable articles that people own, and there does seem to be a real, um, I don't know, for the lack of a better word these days, epidemic of of thefts like that going on. Niagara Falls had a spree too, did they not, Kevin? Yeah, they did. Nick had that up on uh, Niagara 411 saying that over the course of two or three days there was a rash of breaking enters. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you know or come across or think you might have any sort of information, by all means, on any of these things that are happening anywhere in Niagara, be it Thoreau, St. Catharines, Niagara Falls, it's happening uh, all over the place and maybe more often because there may be some more desperate people out there than there were before. Not that I'm uh, making any, uh, any uh, acquiescence or forgiving people, it's just there might be more desperate people than there were a year ago. Not sure whether that's a contributing factor or not, but uh, you can always get in touch with the Niagara Regional Police Service or you can also call Crime Stoppers. You, t you stay totally anonymous if you go through Crime Stoppers and they'll help you out as well. There's the, the graphic that shows the area in Niagara Falls that has been hit by this. Multiple thefts reported in Niagara area, Delta Drive, Malibu Drive and others. So um, then again, be as safe as you can. Lock everything up. Uh, so I, if I could get a car inside my garage, I'd, I'd put the car inside my garage. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lot of a, a lot of other stuff in there. I'd have to move out, and I don't know where that's going. Maybe if I put it out, people would take it away, and that'd be good. I don't know. Uh, we have uh, Dave Benison uh, on the program. Well, this he's been here before, and uh, he has got a 
a relatively new series that you can find also on Niagara 411 because uh, Nick posts this from time to time. Uh, histor historical notes, uh, hist History Niagara, Historical Niagara. Dave Bennis is with us right now. And the latest one that he did was a really neat uh, project that I played a really teeny weeny role in, but uh, he wanted to talk about it because he's getting a lot of feedback on it. And it's about the Shakluna Shipyard, which is something you may have never, ever heard of, uh, but you will now. Dave, how you doing, bud? Good, good. Can you hear me there, Lee? I can. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay. Hey, before we go, can I just mention something? You were oh. talking about, about all those break-ins. Yeah. Here in Welland, we've actually had a rash of break-ins in our neighborhood. And just down the street from us uh, last week, somebody had an ATV stolen. Right yeah. from their backyard, and it was—I think it was on Niagara Four One One. Yeah, that we did the three, we did the story. Yeah, it was three doors down from my house. Yeah, we did so. the story. No, uh, it's not in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, yes. tell tell us about this series, and in particular, give us a couple of minutes on the Shakluna Shipyard thing you're doing. You bet. So yeah, uh, historical Niagara. It's something I started a few years ago, and then uh, got doing some other stuff and put it on the side. And then a couple of months ago, I was asked, "Hey, you gonna do those series again?" So I went out and started doing them. And like you said, they've uh, really taken off. And uh, I've done eight episodes so far. We just had our two hundred thousand view awesome. on eight episodes. Well done. And yeah, it's 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 been amazing. It's um, yeah, so historical Niagara, and uh, yeah, I do uh, little three to fifteen minute, uh, you know, episodes, different places all around Niagara, and the one like you said I did that I released yesterday was on the Shikluna shipyard. I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you here because the video that's on the screen right now that Kevin's playing is the old bridge that's no longer used. Right. That right. runs across Twelve Mile Creek, and it's sort of in the shadow now of the big new bridge, Burgoyne exactly. Bridge. And the, so, yeah, the, the Shikluna shipyards were uh, on the on Twelve under, Mile Creek under that bridge. That's right. So yeah. So if you want to talk a little bit about the uh, the the Burgoyne Bridge, the original Burgoyne Bridge was built in 1950. So that's when that one was built. And the Shikluna Shipyard actually started in 1938 by Louis Shikluna. And that's the guy from, that we just saw on the screen. That's right. He was from Malta, and he immigrated here to Quebec. Uh, in the early uh, 1800s, and then about 1938, he moved. Or 19, 1838, he moved here to the St. Catharines area to start the two Shikluna shipyards. There was actually two of them, there, mm -hmm. so, and the one is underneath the, the old uh, Burgoyne Bridge. And as you know, you guys have talked about back in those days and prior to that. It wasn't called St. Catharines, it was actually called Shipman's Corners. And that was kind of the heart of Shipman's Corners down there because that was heart of industry for all of St. Catharines. Mm -hmm. And one of the really interesting things was with Shakluna is he employed between 250 and 300 people back in the mid-1850s. That's a lot of people for that time. That would have been like almost half the population of St. Catharines at the time, right? Yeah, so, that's amazing. So it was pretty neat. But one of the really neat things, and of course, uh, Dr. Kimberly Monk, um, working with Brock University last year, they finally got to start to do a dig there. And uh, so they opened up three test trenches, and uh, one of them was to look for a buried ship. And I think it's fascinating 
as you say at the beginning you know, of, of the episode that we did, and I had Lee, uh, he, he voiced uh, a little commercial for me, and I had to add it because it's so perfect the way he does it. But, you know, just beyond the downtown of St. Catherine, there's a buried ship. And a lot of people don't know that it's there. And one of the interesting things with it, it was built in Port Robinson. It was originally called the Charles Napier. And then it was brought back to the Shakluna shipyard and it was renamed the James Norris. And in the somewhere about the late 1800s, it was brought back there because it was needed repairs and stuff and it was just left there. Uh -huh. And it sat there ever since. And it finally just, it, you know, fell apart and people probably took parts of it and stuff. But as the archaeologists think that it's still there. The, the actual hall is still that's in the very, ground. That, that's just yeah. so interesting. And uh, we saw a team shot of the, the team of people that uh, the archaeologists, were working, yeah, on yeah. The, working on the dig. Well, Dave, that's yeah. a, it's a fascinating thing that you're doing. And uh, I know that Thanks. we can find the, the video on, uh, I know Nick puts it up on uh, Niagara yeah, 411. Yeah. As, can, I, can I just well? mention something? I want to mention something when you watch the video. Yeah. Um, it, and it's really important. So there was two guys on there that I have to give thanks to, uh, Tim and Malcolm Morrison. And they actually built a scale, like a, a replica model of one of the ships that was built at the Shakluna shipyard. It was called a canaler. And a lot of these boats were built specifically. Is that specifically it, Kevin? Okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. That? Yeah, you're showing the canaler? Yeah. yeah. So this canaler, um, they were specifically built to go through the first and second, well, the second welling canal when they were building these. And it was the, the shape of the hull. Um, and they were actually really well used throughout the Great Lakes and, um, and through the canal. And one of the interesting things is none of them survived. Like, there's, there's wrecks of them. And uh, but that's about it. Like there's no nothing that survives in these things. Hmm. So these guys built this scale model. It's fantastic. It's actually in the video if you watch it. That video it was the first time it's actually been shown on a video. They had a few still pictures of it, so it was really really cool. So All I right. also got to thank I got to thank you too, Lee, for being part of it. Wow, well, <laughs> it's uh, a very very teeny weeny bit at the beginning, but yeah, uh, yeah. happy happy to do it. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll work together at some point in the near future. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to do some stuff. I also got to thank my pilot because I actually have a pilot now, which is like really cool. And go up and uh, as you see, I've got aerial photography, so I have my own personal pilot now. Jim Hutchins, he's watching. Um, thanks a lot for uh, giving me all these great aerial shots. Okay. And yeah, for historical Niagara, we're gonna have we're gonna have all kinds of great episodes. I'm actually getting flooded from all over southern Ontario to do different episodes. So it is Niagara, but we are going outside of Niagara because I'm getting getting calls from Tobamori to over from Port Huron to come do these little episodes. Oh, your so. plane gas bills are gonna go up. That's right. That's why I need the plane. I'm going to have to parachute out and, uh, All and right. do it. But, um, Dave, stick but anyway, to the story, Benison. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you, sir, and look forward to working with you. Oh, yeah. and one more mention. Okay. Mr. M Mitch Markowitz is going to be co-hosting one of my shows. All right. Mr. Yeah, Mr. House of Frightenstein. That's right. That's okay. right. So, all right. right. I think we're gone, and we'll talk to you after. Lee. All right. Thanks for checking in, man. Thanks. We'll talk all to you right. later. Bye. <laughs> Oh. If he had any more pies to have his fingers in, he could open a bakery. Uh...
<laughs> should we get him back on? Is there somebody else to thank? Hey? Does he have anybody else to thank? Maybe There's we should get him back on. somebody else to thank? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go to, go to bed now, Dave. You have to work. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Bye. Oh, go away. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've muted him. Hey? I've muted him. Okay. So... <laughs> Uh, so you can uh, you can find uh, uh, find Dave out there, then, and uh, obviously a lot of people have already. And but the the, the idea of having a, a piece of history so close and and not even visible uh, that we're going to uh, do an archaeological project with is uh, and in the process of is uh, is pretty neat. Uh, it also reminded me when I was speaking with Dave. Dave is a—he's a, a truck driver by trade. His day job is a big rig truck driver, and we have had quite a number of big rig truck incidents uh, in southern Ontario over the last little while. One that I just heard on the way in tonight—it was not in Niagara, but uh, it was in. Um, it was actually just in uh, Burlington area. I just lost the name of the road, but. Uh, the truck ran into the the overpass, ran right into the bridge. Really? Yeah. Was and the the bucket up? They they were they were thinking that it might be uh, an inebriation uh, driving well under the influence kind of thing. But uh, but now this one that is on your screen, I actually saw this one. I didn't see it happen. I wish I had kind of because I'm not sure how it happened. This was uh, Fort Erie bound. It was between Sodom Road and about one kilometer from the exit that you take, uh, the Netherby Road exit on the Queen Elizabeth Highway. Now, this truck was lying on its side, as you see, in the median between the two sets of lanes. It was on that grass part. You see there on, the, on this side of the vehicle are the two lanes heading toward Fort Erie and on the other side of the two lanes heading toward Niagara Falls. It's right in the median. And as I was driving up to the scene, there were all sorts of emergency vehicles behind me. There had to be two or three ambulances, a couple of fire trucks, four or five different police vehicles, and there they were just getting to the scene. Now, nobody was hurt. The driver was okay. but And there were a lot of comments about this on Niagara 411 as well. One of the things that I wanted to clear up about this, first of all, it was a car carrier. You see all those cars? Those are brand new cars on this car carrier transport truck. So there's probably, one, two, three, four, five, so there's probably eight to nine cars on that vehicle. A couple of the comments mentioned that there were cars, new cars off that truck strewn all over the highway. That is not true. That did not happen. All of the vehicles were still secure on top and inside the lower part of the trailer in that truck. There were abs Now, if somebody saw some of those cars out on the highway later, maybe they tried to, uh, maybe they had to take them off the truck. This was a rescue, uh, rescue, uh, uh, a repair exercise to an accident that was virtually gargantuan in in terms. When I drove back, I was I was uh, in the area for about three hours, I guess. So when I drove back three hours later going the other direction, the truck was still on its side, the cars were still inside, there were two massive cranes on the highway. The highway was closed, of course, they were redirecting traffic off Sodom Road. 
but the uh, two big cranes, a massive flatbed truck with a bobcat uh, bulldozer type uh, contraption on it and there were people walking around investigating this because they were trying to figure out how the heck do we how do we how the heck do we get this this truck up uh, without uh, without a whole lot of further damage taking place to life and limb and property and I'm still not sure how they did it or how long it took them but they were probably there for uh, an extra number of hours anyway Kevin I never I, I, I just but I didn't see any other vehicles that were involved in the accident either like I didn't see any other I'm not sure how it flipped maybe it was trying to avoid uh, something Maybe it was trying to avoid an accident, yeah, perhaps, and, and ended up in that situation because quite often that's what happens with big rigs is they're they're, they're trying to stop something from happening that they can see is uh, and try to avoid something and then these things uh, these things occur. So I don't know the details. It's a pure on like heavy rescue four hundred one or I guess heavy rescue four hundred six. That's the show I was trying to think of. That have you ever watched any of those episodes? Absolutely, those are huge undertakings. They are just and and this was one of those. This is one of those uh, uh, accidents that could have an episode all of its own because I'm sure they could spend about an hour and a half on this thing of how they did it and who they had to call in. Uh, and, uh, and where it ended up and what caused it, etc. What happens to the, the new cars? Surely they were all, they all must have sustained, sustained some sort of damage, ho hopefully repairable. Yeah, now, but, uh, speaking of just a traffic disruption in that area, yesterday traffic Fort Erie bound was being forced off the QEW, or sorry, off the 406 at Merritt. Right. I'm not exactly sure. I think Nick had reported on it on uh, on Niagara 411. Okay. But uh, things were backlogged there yesterday as everybody was routed, you know, by the fairgrounds and you had to crawl through Niagara out by the Walmart yeah. to hop on again on Chrysler. Maybe a problem on the bridge or something like that. I don't know. But there was uh, there was some gridlock. Here's something else, Lee. I know you wanted to touch on this. The uh, the caught on camera segment. Are, are you ready for that? I, I know we had to coordinate sure. some stuff. The, the NRP, uh, the caught me, on camera? Yeah, let me get this. Yeah, okay. So here you go. Nick reported on it, and I don't know that I've ever seen this feature before. I haven't. Uh, it's caught on camera. This is a release from the Niagara Regional Police Service, and I'm, I'm uh, referring to my computer, which is why I'm not looking at you right now, uh, because it's a little bit easier for me to, to read the notes here. So these are all um, camera shots, like security camera shots, of people that they are looking for. So Wednesday, July 29th, around 8.45 of the p.m., this, uh, this fellow was caught on camera. I'm trying to do it. Um, attended Sobeys on Glendale. The suspect seen attending on foot, stopping to look at the bikes. Upon leaving, he stops and appears to tie his shoe, and he ends up basically stealing a bike. So that's, that's that guy. All right. So... Well, when do you want to go to here, Lee? What's uh... now, there's a suspected arson case right there. This guy white here male just wearing looks... a dark hooded sweatshirt, light colored shorts, white socks, dark shoes. Uh, Church Street. A male attended a parking lot on Church Street. Approached the target vehicle, a 2005 Saturn. Uh, seen around the vehicle for some time before the suspect vehicle and another one. Blah blah blah. A lot of. Uh, but that's a that's an that's an arson. Yeah, what's this guy doing here, Lee? The guy getting 
Oh, I'm looking at... Handed I'm, the wad of cash. I'm trying to find... Oh, there. Okay, this guy. Yeah, what's his story? Um, I don't even see a write-up with him. Oh, that guy there... Robbery, here we go. ...is, is uh, robbery. Gas station on Ontario Street. So he obviously threatened some sort of weapon or yeah. something. If he, oh, he, walked into a, he walked into a gas station and demanded cigarettes and cash from the one employee that was working in there. But you know what? At least he's wearing his mask. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps for different reasons. But you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Hey, uh, give me your mask and cigarettes. All right. Or, or give me your money and cigarettes. Well, hold on, sir. If you're going to enter this store, I have to make sure you put that mask on. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Go, if you forgot it? Yeah. Oh, and then you crap. went up. Oh, okay. So you go back. <laughs> okay. Now give me your dough. <laughs> Uh, not making uh, not making uh, light of the situation because I'm sure the employee was uh, pretty shaken up because he did he did uh, have a knife with him as well so that's that's never pleasant. What's the story with these ladies? Hmm? Is are these three different ladies or is just just different camera angles of the same lady? I think I, I think they're different cam. No, I think the different camera angles are the same one. Okay, what what's she up for? Long blonde hair uh, about da 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 da. Oh. Uh, she stole a wallet after attending Starbucks for a coffee before work. So she was in uh, she was in Starbucks, and this uh, the person the victim was in there, and she probably just lifted a wallet or something. The bank cards were subsequently fraudulently used by the pictured suspect to withdraw over thirteen thousand from various accounts. Damn! Wow! So where did the pin? codes and all that come from I wonder I don't know so this is a pretty uh, we're not going to run down all of these this is a, a pretty cool posting I'll just kind of cycle you talk away and I'll just cycle through them that it looks like the Niagara Regional Police Service are going to be doing on a regular basis called caught on camera so these are all security camera shots of people in the in the throes of committing a crime and some of them pretty darn serious, obviously. There's a couple on here, Lee, where I thought to myself, come on, somebody has to know this person. Like, you know, the footage is just so vivid. Yeah, some of the and, cameras are just so clear. And some of the, the markings on the individual are so defining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like that guy. Somebody knows that guy. This guy? That guy. Somebody knows him. Yeah, I somebody mean, knows him. Yeah. That's, that's just too clear a picture to miss. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. Running out of power. And you mean you can't fix stupid? Why do you commit? Why do you do something that's that obvious and and make yourself that obvious? You have to know that closed circuit cameras are this like is the guy CCTV, I was as they call it. Somebody knows this guy. Like of you course. kidding me? That guy? That's a look. Well, it's a pretty identifiable T-shirt as well. Of course, he could have ditched the T-shirt, but yeah, but still, somebody's still. seen this guy wearing that shirt before. Yeah, I doubt if he shaved and cut his hair in the meantime. So, uh, so that's caught on camera. A, a really neat uh, thing that the police have put together. Hopefully, they do that on a regular basis because it's really it's really very clean and clear. And uh, uh, and they're asking for your help. Uh, I do want. Speaking of help, it's been a while since we gave credit where credit is due. Here, I want to uh, thank once again. Before we have to sign off the program, Gail's Gas Bars. Jessica Friesen and uh, her staff for fueling this program. And again, Dave McParian from Fiddler's Poorhouse. 
Always a pleasure to be here uh, in your lovely window. It was a little cold and rainy to open the window tonight, so we're working uh, totally indoors. Gales Rewards program, something for you to check out, gales.ca. And uh, that'll give you all the details at Gales Gas Bars or Bob's Fast and Fresh Convenience Stores. Nick, of course, at Niagara 411. Pretty obvious that uh, we partner with him. And uh, also, we cannot forget the uh, technology behind all this, supplied and produced and put together by WeStream right here in Niagara. Niagara's only live streaming uh, internet system. The way we do it, the way they do it is uh, really, really uh, trend-setting. And uh, you were going... You should have waited for me to do it because it just sounded like too much of a self-promotion. I was going to tell you when we say goodbye to Eric, there's your next business venture. Two or three million dollars to put on live concerts for you too and people like that. Yeah, do it for two or three thousand. What's he talking about, Eric? Two or well, three I'm million still, dollars? Well, hey, I'm just, I'm just giving you a bit of a price hike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I guess i got to start charging more. <laughs> yeah. And even that's a high end. Like we, we do things for under that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And some pretty sophisticated streams as well, I might add. So yeah, I'll uh, tell you this: the uh, you know why don't I pull it up here because I can. Okay. The, the wedding that we did at the Pillar and Post, just to toot our own horn, uh, was was pretty interesting and, and pretty groundbreaking. We thought we actually took a big screen TV and got all the virtual guests to join a Zoom room. So there okay. were three rows of in-person guests. And then a big screen TV with all the virtual guests. Oh, neat. We fed our multi-cam production into the Zoom room. Then the bride and the groom got to actually interact with the virtual guests, and they cheers them, and everybody in the virtual Zoom room got dressed up just like they were attending the wedding. And, and it felt like they were there in person. It's, it's not like being there in person, but we thought that this is probably the closest thing that you're going to get yeah. as far as virtual weddings are concerned. We don't know anybody else that is offering a service like that. We're getting tons of requests for weddings. So if you know somebody that is engaged, get in contact with us. Right now, COVID is sucking the life out of people's wedding dreams, and we can help breathe a little back into it. Yeah, I met a, a, a couple from, oh, doesn't even, somewhere up in the GTA uh, last weekend, and they were celebrating their, what was going to be wedding day, uh, doing a wine tour of Niagara Falls. We, oh, we can't get married today, but we're going to do this instead. And they were they were okay. I mean, they were happy enough, but it was it was still kind of kind of sad in a way that uh, so many people's lives get uh, get thrown out of kilter. I want to come back a little bit, uh, uh, back up to that uh, the theft thing, the caught on caught on camera thing. Oh, sorry, Lee. Here, I was just no, gonna, no, no. Uh, you don't have to go back to the graphic. It was just so, some of the comments. So you can see right there over oh, their no, shoulder. There you, you see the zoom room there? Yeah. Right over the bride's shoulder. So that's the other 45 to oh, yeah, 50. Oh, yeah, the wall. Yeah, 45 okay. to 50 virtual attendees. We provided that TV for them, so we, we did everything. All they had to do was show up, you know, and all the other things that go along with the wedding. Yeah. And the I do's and stand there. So here they are. You know what? You can actually hear them. Pop it up a little bit here. Lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to present to you for the very first time as husband and wife, Mr. Noonan and Mrs. Alicia Payne. Nice. Sorry, let me please get the weather off your face. Please greet them warmly. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of weather on my face today. And just a second here, Lee, I know you can't really hear the audio, but the audience can and I can hear. And you see them, they come up and they address the people in the Zoom room. They address the screen. Here. Cocktails will be held from 6 to 7 o'clock. Oh, right there.
Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. It's a very nice feature. Very nice well feature. Well done. Thanks, Lee. And uh, congratulations to the lucky couple. And uh, here, there they are right there, talking to the people in the Zoom room. Very cool. Uh, very good. Okay. Congratulations to everybody. Uh, but to back up, uh, as I was saying a minute ago, a lot, a lot of comments were posted on the that that caught on camera function there, because there are, have been a lot of people in Niagara that uh, have had purse snatch and grabs. It was also a, a Niagara 411 post on a purse snatch and grab that a lot of comments came up on and apparently this is something that happens a lot and it's not something new people have been trying to do like purse snatchers have been around forever but i guess the way the reason i brought it up is it there's the the second post i was talking about yeah purse snatch and grab occurred today at the fresh co on bunting in st Catherine. And people are very brazen sometimes. And one of the worst things that uh, ladies can possibly do is when you're doing your grocery shopping uh, or anything where you have a cart, is leaving your purse in the cart and especially in the cart with, with the zipper undone on top. Because people just like that woman that we saw on Caught on Camera, she probably just reached in and grabbed something on the way by and it can happen so fast. And uh, so, People have to, you have to be really, really careful because the, uh, the thieves are, are out there and apparently they're alive and well. So extra, extra security for things that you've got on you. There was one of the comments that uh, a woman said, I never ever carry my purse inside anymore. Just grab my wallet, put it in my pocket and I've got you know, everything, everything zipped up because people will be very brazen sometimes and it could end up with somebody getting hurt. You know, if you try to hang on to what they want to take from you, it can get ugly sometimes. And Lee, if that's not bad enough, then we have to deal with the counterfeiters. The counterfeiters, yeah. And yeah, first of all, you've got to be a little bit suspect if somebody's handing you American money, considering the fact that the borders are closed. So I'm not exactly sure where the American money would be coming from. So that'd be a tip off right away. But it's out there right now. And again, the police want you to get in touch with them at 688-4111 if you come across any of these American uh, bills. And I think there are 50s and 100s that are, uh, are phony. So be suspect of uh, any of those American bills that you see floating around. I don't think it's 20s. It used to be awful, usually 20s that they would do, but 50s and 100s now. Yeah. So. Not worth their time anymore. Eh? Not worth their time anymore doing 20s. Not doing 20s, no. Yeah, it's print off the big bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we are going to take you out with uh, a little bit of entertainment as we have done from time to time as we come to you here from Fiddler's Poor House. We do want to thank you for being here on the, the 411 and joining us, participating. If you want to participate further, you want to be a contributor to the program, just check us out on Livestream Niagara. Send us a message and say, hey, uh, I'd like to come on and talk about X or Y, or I just want to come on and give you an update about uh, what's going on in my town, Waynefleet, Fort Erie, Port Colborne, wherever it is. And um, we'll set it up and we'll have hopefully a, what is the word, a corral, if you will a team of contributors here to the program. 
So really just cool. go to Livestream Niagara. You can get in touch with us that way. It's super, super easy. And um, feel free to uh, ask your friends to like and share this broadcast because we try to make sure that it's going to stay healthy for a long time. And uh, it'll be something that uh, we and the Niagara can be proud of at some point. We already are proud of it. I think we had, uh, I think we had about uh, 18, uh, 18,000 or something like that views on the last on the last uh, program we did, which is uh, highly respectable. So uh, we're happy about that. We thank you for joining us. And uh, Kevin, what are we uh, what are we going to? Uh, so we're going to listen to Sammy Jackson, and this is one of the artists from St. Catharines that is represented by that Eric Alper who joined us earlier in the program. So awesome. we thought, all right, let's scratch his back a little bit. Honestly. Before today, never heard Sammy, but she's a wonderful singer. She's a St. Catharines product, and obviously, you know, still on the ascent of yeah. her career. So, so we'll show them a nice. Uh, well, I'll let you throw to throw to St. Paul. As we get to, as we get ready to uh, to go out with Sammy again. Thanks to Eric Alper. Thank you to Dave Benison. Thank you to Kevin Jack, uh, Dave and Gales, and everybody. I'm Lee Sterry. We'll see you for episode 19 a week from tonight. Strolling down the sidewalk, skipping rope and playing hopscotch. Oh, how life was easy then. When dreams were not attainable and nothing was impossible. Oh, how life was easy then. How I wish I could go back in time and the hard things were the simple things. But now I'm all grown, wish I had known that life would be like this, like this. Take me back to when I was young again. Take me back, I wanna be carefree again. Take me
hard things were the simple things But now I'm all grown, wish I had known that life would be like this